Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself. I got an interesting email this week. And the email was from a listener who started with me on day one. And he says, Carol, I'm single and I lost my family to sexual addiction. And when I'm experiencing the fear of COVID, it feels very much like the loss that I experienced with um, sexual addiction. Do you have any helpful tips for me? Why would I feel this way? Well, the truth of the matter is, of course it feels very similar. I hear that from addicts and partners both. Because whenever there's been a loss, you know, you experience it. And then the next loss that occurs couples on or layers on top of the next loss and the next loss and the next loss. And so when something catastrophic like a divorce occurs or when something catastrophic like COVID occurs, you're going to feel those same feelings only magnified. And so I am not surprised that you're feeling this way. And I am so sad because what I know is that you have to peel away the layers and look at the loss and ask yourself, Okay, now how can I grow stronger from this? And what do I have to learn from it? And I said I'm sad because so many people stay stuck in the loss. They don't move forward. 
And good recovery means you move forward. You figure out what you need to do to make it better. And when you figure it out, when you, when you say to yourself, how am I stronger? What do I have to learn from this? And what you realize is you've taken yourself out of that victim role and you've become more than a survivor, become a thriver. You see, if you don't do it, you may stay in the victim role. And if you gain some strength, then you're going to feel like a survivor. But if you can be empowered by the loss and learn something from it and grow stronger, then guess what? You are a thriver. And I know it will never necessarily bring back your family. I know that if you've had a catastrophic health illness, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to erase that. Um, I know with COVID, right, no reason to be very cautious. I won't say concerned, but I will say cautious. Um, then maybe concerned. I wouldn't be consumed, though. I absolutely refuse to be consumed by COVID. Then it means it really has won. You know, think back to 9-11. And when 9-11 occurred, we had to tell ourselves that we were not going to succumb to the victim mentality where they had us on high alert and we couldn't lead a normal life. So, as sex addicts and betrayed partners, you get the choice as to how you respond to any catastrophe. You know, if you're divorced, you get the choice to say, how am I going to make this work with my ex-spouse? How am I going to promote my life to the betterment of my children? And I'm always telling my couples, whether they're divorced or together, you get to choose emotional maturity. You have a choice. And that is amazing that we all have choices. Because what's my number one coaching principle as a mental health therapist? I know you all know this. It's I'm 100% responsible and accountable for my behavior. And that's why I was really excited to be able to interview um, Dr. Larry Waldman. He is an author of, I think it's seven books, but he just put out another book that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, it just sounds really exciting. The book itself is uh, about how to stay healthy and how to really work on your relationship and what to do about that. And it is important that we take a look at what is happening to us and decide how we can show up with integrity. His book, Love Your Child More Than You Hate Your Ex, is, is getting rave reviews. And he's going to be talking about how do you handle um, an angry spouse? How do you deal with that trauma? Uh, and since we have over half of U.S. marriages failing, 
and most of them involving children, I thought you might want to hear what the experts said about how to make fine and sad situation the best possible. So I'm going to welcome Dr. Larry Waldman to the show. Thank you for joining us on Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, and, you know, you are uh, a clinician, you're a psychologist, you, you actually deal in forensic psychology, and so you have really had experience with the courts and with legal battles, and you have made it your mission to write about how people can get along. So tell me, how, first of all, how did you get involved in this business? Well, I've been a uh, long-term psychologist. Actually, I started in practice, uh, believe it or not, in uh, 1979. And at that time, I uh, worked uh, largely with with children and families. Uh, Prior to that, I was a uh, school psychologist for seven years. And so, of course, I became very familiar with uh, working with kids and and, and their families and consulting with teachers and, and so on. Um, and, and my private uh, practice began, as I said, uh, uh, end, of seven, end, end of the 70s into the 80s and so on. And I uh, uh, also got involved uh, with uh, a psychiatric hospital uh, around in the uh, later, uh, oh, later 80s and so on. And, and uh, that, uh, that, worked very well and my practice was humming along uh, fine until um, managed care uh, raised its uh, ugly head if you will uh, in the uh, in the later uh, later 80s and and then of course into the, into the 90s and it really put uh, uh, it really put stress on my uh, on my practice uh, frankly I just wasn't getting compensated the way I was before. And there were too many restrictions on what I could do uh, with my clients. Uh, For example, I, I uh, I did a lot of evaluations and, and now with managed care back in those days, um, I uh, had to jump through so many hoops to do what I thought was a necessary evaluation. So basically I, uh, I had to kind of remake my practice And starting in the um, oh mid '90s or so, I decided that I was going to move into the uh, legal or forensic area. And so I uh, took some courses, uh, some workshops, uh, uh, found a mentor, and then uh, basically began um, working with uh, uh, the court. Uh, I probably did uh, in the neighborhood of 75 to 100 custody evaluations. I also was a parenting coordinator. Uh, That was something that um, uh, was relatively new, I think, at the time in the uh, later 90s, where a judge would appoint a professional to a couple who uh, had just been given their final decree, but the judge thought, that the couple was likely to continue fighting. So uh, instead of just coming back to court and filing motions on a regular basis, the judge ordered that they had to work with the professional 
before they could get back to court. Mm-hmm. I was also a I was also a therapeutic interventionist where again I was appointed by the court to help uh parents who were estranged from their children or maybe actually had abandoned them at one time but now wanted to reconnect. So from the inside if you will I I came to see what it was what it was like for families and particularly for kids uh, to go through uh, the divorce process. I did that well, uh, then the, from the early 90s, or excuse me, mid-90s to, prob- to when I retired in late 2015. And, you know, one of the things I know, it's so ironic that we're talking because I started out in the field of child psychiatry, and I worked with an incredible forensic um, psychologist um, who – is now deceased, but he really helped me to see how if we could at the hospital level, because we were an outpatient clinic, but we were part of a children's hospital, if we could help uh, them get along, then it didn't have to go to court or the court proceedings didn't need to be so long. So let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, you have tools and tips for spouses that are angry, um, that are battling each other, and unfortunately the kids are the casualty. What kinds of things do you tell parents when they're fighting well, like you, this? Well, your introduction was uh, right on Right on. The, I say very similar kinds of things that uh, – uh, they they still have uh, their responsibility um, to uh, to maintain their composure and and to do so not so much because uh, uh, they you know they they love their they love their ex now uh, but because they still love their kids um, I I make the point uh, that you know as a parent. Um, Married or not, divorced or not, uh, the 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 primary definition uh, of that is that you put your needs secondary to to those of the child. Uh, we we've all been there as parents. Uh, sleepless nights because the child is sick. Uh, uh, sleepless nights because the child is having their own problems, etc. etc. Et uh, spending money that we really don't have, but uh, to do something that you you believe the child deserves or needs, you know, I could go on and on. Uh, so that's important, and and it was my experience that in some cases, fortunately not all, but that in some cases, uh, some parents became so angry and so frustrated um, with the divorce process that they forgot. Uh, their role as a parent, and now their 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 anger uh, and frustration became foremost uh, ahead of the uh, of the needs of the child, and so the parent is now emoting on a regular basis, acting out, and so forth, uh, creating scenes uh, with with their partner in you know in the company of their cho- uh, their children, and so forth. And, and that is causing significant uh, trauma uh, for children. So 
So again, uh, we we have to maintain uh, our our composure. Uh, we have to remember we're doing this uh, for the sake of our children. Um, I, I heard an analogy a while a while ago that that I think applies uh, very well. And I and what this person said: uh, suppose you're on a on an airliner, which of course we're not doing much of today. But uh, suppose you're you're on an airliner, and and you you decide to use the uh, the restroom, you know, at at the front of the plane uh, near near the cockpit. And as you approach the uh, the that airline restroom, you hear through the cockpit door the pilot and the co-pilot arguing ferociously, yelling at each other. You don't know what you're doing and this and that and so forth. How would that make you feel? I would be scared to death and I would think my life was in danger. Absolutely. I mean, here it is. Uh These two people... Uh, hold your lives in 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 their hands, and now they're sounding like like crazy people arguing and so forth uh, that that way, screaming and yelling. Well, that's a good analogy because I believe I contend that's how it makes our kids feel when they see their parents arguing and screaming and so forth uh, like those uh, like that pilot and co-pilot. It makes them feel very frightened, very scared, very out of control, uh, and, and so on. And, and we have to avoid that uh, whenever we can. And so, you know, oftentimes, with, especially with sexual addiction, my program is about sex addicts and partner betrayal. And I have to tell you, most of the sex addicts that I work with want recovery and they want to do it right and they actually um, work hard on that. I'm not saying they do it perfectly, but, you know, they do it. And then there's the partner and maybe she just, it was too much betrayal. She couldn't handle it. Um, Maybe he had some slips or relapses and she said, this is not how I want to live my life. More often than not, as a matter of fact, I don't think in my 10 years of doing this have I ever met an addict that divorced his wife. I, it's the partner that says, I can't do this. I didn't mean to show up for this. I got to get out of this. And so he's understandably upset, and she's not only angry, understandably, it's, it's one of the worst betrayals in the world, but she's afraid, and she's afraid for herself, and she's afraid for her kids, because now this means he's going to have some, um, well, hopefully, he's going to have a relationship with those kids that she's not going to be able to monitor or supervise, and so tensions are high, high conflict, and she is very defensive, and so what would you tell her because obviously she has this trauma, but at the same time, you're spot on when you say kids know what's going on. They may not understand why it's going on, but they feel that tension and that conflict. What would you tell her? Well, well first, of course, like any good therapist, uh, you, know, you would empathize uh, just, as, just as you've described. 
certainly her, her concerns are, are justified. Um, at the same time, though, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, she doesn't uh, have a choice in, in most cases. Uh, in, in the situation you, you described, uh, the, uh, the husband may not have been a, a good partner. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, that he was a bad parent uh, and that uh, he can't uh, parent his, uh, his children uh, appropriately. Uh, and as long as, uh, as, long as uh, that's the case, then she's going to uh, have to uh, have to accept that and 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 deal with it. Um, now, of course, there are certain situations. I mean, if he's putting the kids in compromised situations, well, then that's what going back to court is all about. Uh, but if not, mm-hmm. uh, she may have to uh, learn to accept it and deal with it. Yeah, and you know that is so important. Um, it is that acceptance piece as well as teaching kids how to stay safe. And, you know, typically her immediate fear is that the children may see pornography on his laptop or his phone. And then sometimes it even goes as far as she's afraid that he's going to expose the kids to affair partners or um, you know, prostitutes or massage people, you know, people in the sex industry. And so you're basically saying it's on a continuum and there's something she may have to accept. And then there's some things that she will have to take to court to have them help determine, are these kids at risk? Exactly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there, there are there are some things that are are unacceptable and and uh, as you described uh, if uh, if the ex is engaging in in some of those behaviors uh, uh, with with you know in the company of the children uh, and so forth yes uh, the court will uh, will react uh, to to that uh, and mm-hmm. and either curb the visitations or uh, require uh, require a monitor uh, or a supervisor or, 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 or things along those lines uh, until uh, the court is satisfied that those kinds of behaviors are uh, are going to cease. And you know, again, helping her to determine when that might need to happen. I I mean, we always say in these kind of high conflict situations, we really do want, we want these, we want partners and sex addicts alike to go to specialists that understand their condition and perhaps can mediate or negotiate before an official mediator occurs. Um, But that acceptance part is, so important with psychoeducation. I mean, I know that um, when I worked in abuse, one of the things that I did was I helped the kids to know what good boundaries were so that they knew how to keep themselves physically safe and they knew what they could do if that didn't occur and who they could talk to about that. And boundaries are so important in these kind of situations. 
Um, I'm talking with Dr. Larry Waldman, and he is an expert on so many things. He's written seven books, but his current book, um, tell us a little bit about that and what made you write that. Uh, Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, In my head for many years, uh, I, as I said earlier, I retired from active practice uh, in the end of 2015, uh, but I still uh, teach, consult, uh, write, and speak, and, and so forth. Uh, but uh, I, I intended, uh, even then, as when I retired, to uh, uh, to get this book out. Uh, but you know, life got in the way. There were a lot of things I. Uh, I did. I developed a speaking practice and so forth. Uh, actually, I wrote another book in the interim uh, entitled Overcoming Your Negotiophobia with a, with a co-author. Uh, but when I finally uh, settled into writing this book, the actual writing just, just flowed. Uh, I, I, probably, uh, I probably got the writing done in three to four months uh, because uh, I had already taken lots of notes. Uh, and articles and things like that, and uh, so uh, it was something I, I really wanted to get out because I know it is so needed. Uh, I've seen so many families uh, struggle with this divorce process, I think needlessly, to be honest, uh, and of course, I've seen hundreds of kids uh, get caught up in, in this meat grinder, as I call it, of, of an acrimonious divorce. And so, there, therefore, I, I felt I, I needed to get this out to help as many people as possible. You know, I really admire you, and I'll tell you why. I did start out in child psychiatry, and one of the most lucrative jobs you could have was being a mediator. And I thought, there is no way that I want to be between two fighting adults. Um, that hate each other, that are getting a divorce, that can't make it work for the sake of the kids. And so you're really being uh, preemptive and proactive and helping parents figure it out um, in a way that it makes so much sense. Um, I just really appreciate everything that you are doing and wonder how can people get your book? Well, they uh, <clears throat> thank you for asking, of course. Uh, if they want to go online, uh, they, uh, they have, can have choices then of how they uh, wish to uh, purchase it, whether they want, to, want the, uh, you know, the hard, co- not the hardcover, but the, the paperback or the uh, e-version. Uh, they can go to outskirtspress.com slash loving your child more than you hate your ex. Uh, and from there, they'll they'll have their their various choices of what how they uh, what version they they'd like to purchase. Uh, if That's right. And I want to uh, go ahead. Go. Well, I was going to say, and I want to um, remind our listeners that you have written some and other books, huh? "Who's Raising Whom," or "Coping with Your Adolescent," or "How." Come, I love him, but can't live with him. I love the the title of that. The graduate course you never had. Too busy earning a living to make your fortune. And last but not least, and I'd love to hear a little bit about this, overcoming 
your negotiophobia. Uh, so I'm assuming that that relates to people that just don't have that ability to negotiate and compromise. Is that right? Uh, yes, largely. Um, I wrote that uh, with the, uh, a colleague of mine. Um, he's a business analyst. Uh, he does lots of uh, coaching uh, of, uh, of managers and, and employees and so forth. And, and basically uh, what, we, uh, what we did is we, we talked about how uh, the ability to negotiate uh, in your life is, is so important um, in the home and in the business world. So uh, the book is interesting because I, I obviously uh, dealt with the, the home issues. So we talked about negotiating with your partner uh, negotiating with your kids, uh, negotiating with your friends, uh, and so on, your coworkers, uh, and then my uh, my co-author, um, he he <clears throat> he focused on uh, negotiations in uh, in in actual uh, business deals uh, and and so forth. Um, so. Yes, we uh, uh, that book's done fairly well, and and again, I think we've helped uh, we we've helped lots lots of people. Um, one of right, and uh, so, one of the oh, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I want to remind people that if they want to find you, that they can go to www top and here's how this works topphoenixpsychologist.com. That is actually your website, correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, on that, and I have they, uh, many of my articles, and of course, my books are available too. And so, people can get some help just by going to your website, and that is so important. And you know, obviously, you have made it your mission. There is no better principle when I'm talking with couples and talking about emotional. Um, IQ, I say, you've got to be able to negotiate and compromise. And those two skills are essential when working in a healthy relationship and in working with an unhealthy relationship. I want to ask you, Dr. Larry, how often do you encourage somebody to just let the other person have the choice? You know, how often do you do that? Well, a lot. Uh, I used to counsel that on on a regular basis. In, in fact, it, it it became one one of my uh, uh, preferred uh, uh, tactics, if you will, in in marital therapy, um, because uh, frequently I I would be I would be with a couple that were were struggling with an issue. Uh, for example, uh, I think I give two examples in the book. Uh, one is uh, frequency of sex, and the other one is is money management. Let's let's say let's focus on that one for the moment. And and the typical case is the uh, uh, the wife, according to the husband, is is spending money frivolously, uh, and so on. And and so the husband responds by trying to curb her spending and monitor her and et cetera, et cetera, which of course does not go over very well. Uh, and and the wife in turn uh, begins to 
passively, aggressively uh, opposed him. And, and so we, mm-hmm. we, we have a mess going on. Um, I remember I had a case where this uh, woman would uh, uh, would go shopping and and come home and and keep uh, the clothes uh, in the trunk of her car and wait for her husband to leave for work or whatever and then very quickly run into the car grab the clothes get them get them out of her uh, trunk uh, get rid of the tags and so forth and and hang them up in in a closet so uh, uh, he, he he would never see it until of course. The credit card bill came uh, a month later, and but she then she'd fight that fight then. Um, but one of the one of the moves that uh, I often suggested uh, is to is to recommend that the wife take over the uh, the bill paying. And, and whenever I would say that, I, I that they would both look at me like, "Is this guy crazy?" Uh, I mean, that that doesn't make any sense. I mean, here it is. She's mismanaging the money. Give her control. And more often than not, uh, what what occurred uh, is just the opposite, is that when the wife had the control, and now it was up to her to manage the money, go shopping if she chose, but she also had to negotiate the bills, and when she saw what what her behavior was was causing, uh, more often than not, she got in line. Yeah, I, I say that's the truth. We tell we tell parents to do that for kids too, right? If they're having trouble with responsibility, give them a different type and see if they can't run with it. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, kids will always be willing to let you take on that responsibility. I mean, I I, I see parents all the time are you know are driving themselves ragged. You know, I have to. I, I can't tell you how many times in my career I I heard parents say, you know, oh, I have to get up every morning and get that kid out of bed. I mean, I just have to drag him out of bed, and and it's so painful and so forth. And I say, why? Well, what do you mean? He's going to be late for school. And I said, yeah. Well, that, that wouldn't be good. The, the grades would suffer. The school would call. I said, yeah. And finally, it dawns on them. You know, they're taking responsibility for you know, the child's own behavior. We're talking a teenager, sometimes maybe two, three years away from moving out on their own. So when are they going to learn to get up on their own? It better be pretty soon. How about now? <laughs> and let them see the consequences of their ways. Right. And when the consequences get great enough, they get going. But they have to be great enough. Um, so I really, really appreciate everything that you are doing for the, the community at large. I'm talking with Dr. Larry Waldman. You can look at his website, which, by the way, has the most amazing picture of Phoenix on it, www.topphoenixpsychologist.com. And it's interesting because I got certified in Phoenix. They have the largest sexual addiction institute in the world. Um, And so Phoenix is a very special place for both myself and many of our listeners, because the um, premier uh, institutes uh, that actually 
uh, has sex addiction recovery centers are right there in uh, close to Scottsdale and Phoenix. So uh, you're in a very wonderful place. I, I can imagine it must be pretty hot right now. Uh, yes, although we, we had a nice streak here, but I think today's the high will be about 105. Oh, that's amazing. And it's, it's, here it is. It's Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate you coming on the show. I want to remind people, your seventh book, Love Your Child More Than You Hate Your Ex, is getting rave reviews, and it really is important when you're in a stressful situation. Addicts, I know that you're in a stressful situation, and partners, equally so. Why don't you get this book and take a look at some of the guidelines that may help this process go smoother because you want to do what's in the best interest of your children. And, Larry, I just thank you so much for being on this show and continued success. Well, thank you. I do appreciate the opportunity. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Okay, so that was Larry Waldman, Ph.D., uh, obviously has a lot of gifts uh, to give the world. And, hey, thanks for listening to us. Uh, I said it's Memorial Day weekend, but the truth of the matter is by the time you hear this, it will be on one of my vacation days. So Larry was so kind to record this early, and we're going to play it uh, not this Monday, but next Monday, and that I think is June June 1st, as you well know, because you'll be hearing it then. So as I say to you at all times, I want you to fearlessly have the courage to be yourself because there will only be one of you at all times. And the other thing I want you to do is show up with a lot of integrity because when you show up with integrity, you feel good about yourself no matter what. Have a good day.